Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Thank you guys for being here. And uh, shout out to everybody who came to our newcomer's breakfast this morning. Woo, that was awesome. That was great. We had a good time sharing a little bit about my personal story, Heartway's history, where we've been, where we're going, what we're all about. We're going to be doing more of those in the future. And so would love to see you there if uh, you're a first timer and you're thinking of planting your feet and digging some roots here at Heartway. Who's happy that it's... Christmas time. So great. The best time of the year. This Christmas, we're going to be doing something that we've never done before in the history of Heartway, but it's something that I'm uh, very excited and passionate about. We're going to um, collect a year-end offering. Never done this before. We're calling it the Waymakers Offering. And we're doing this uh, to set ourselves up for a successful 2024. And... So I'm actually praying a very bold prayer in in light of this initiative that we're doing. And and my prayer, my ask is for 100% participation. Now, nobody's going to come knocking on your door and double checking to see if, you know, you are a part of this. But my hope and my heart is that Every single person that calls Heartway home can contribute to this year-end fund. And we're calling it the Waymakers Offering because for those of us who are giving and going above and beyond in this offering, uh, by doing so, we are making a way for Heartway to continue to grow, to continue to expand, to continue to build on what we've already been able to establish and do thus far in the eight years of our existence. And so... Heartway is a very special place. If you haven't recognized that already, we're not like most churches. And there are a lot of people that have been yearning for communities like ours to exist. A place where uh, you are safe to come as you are, to explore your spirituality, to ask questions, where you're not conformed into a particular box, where you're not told to believe a particular way, but where you literally are given the freedom in and through love, to be on your own journey, to discover truth for yourself, to make faith your own. And there is a desperate need, not only in our community, but everywhere for more spaces like Heartway to exist. I have pastors that call me all the time and they ask me about the work that we're doing and how we can replicate it and duplicate this and how we need more of it. And so... I know people personally that are here in this room right now who wouldn't dare step into any other church, but they're here at Heartway because they've heard some things about how we're different and how we approach stuff and how we're not dogmatic and how it's more about dialogue and how we're pluralistic in nature and how we're so inclusive. These are things that if you're a part of this community, you kind of take it for granted because it's just the norm, but it's not the case everywhere that you go. And so if you believe in this vision, if you uh, believe in what we're doing, if you want to see us continue to flourish and thrive, I want you to pray. Don't pray too hard and too long though. Just, you know, I don't want you to think about it too much. Just do it. All right. But I want you to think about how you can go above and beyond um, for this year end offering and help make a way for Heartway to continue to grow and flourish in the year to come. And in light of all of this, I want us to check out this video, a beautiful life change story. I would say my life before coming to Heartway, it was like I was on autopilot. 
I wasn't really present, I wasn't really aware. I was also going through a lot of depression in my life and I didn't really have a support system. So I just felt like I was kind of like touch and go a lot through my life. I felt okay one moment, but then I felt spiraling and I just never really had any support or any community where I felt seen. Hardway has impacted my life in so many ways. I don't think that there could ever be a video that I could ever explain how much it has impacted my life. I could say the most impactful that I've noticed, it, not, it has not only been with my depression, but also a few months ago I went through a car crash, I broke my leg, and it was literally people from this community that helped me the most. Jovi, one of them, went to the ER when I was there. Rachel picked me up and took me home, settled me at the hospital. Gabby came and chopped my hair, gave me a haircut, I should say. Um, and yeah, just, again, through my life, I've always felt very, very alone, very desolate. And this community has been there for me in the highest of highs and in the lowest of lows. And I have never, ever met people that I connect to in such a deep, deep level. Not only that, but I had never been a part of a community where it felt like just being me, who I am, is enough. And that is all that I need to be. That is all that God wants me to be, just myself. I always felt like being me didn't, didn't, didn't suffice. It was never enough. I always felt like I had to be something that I'm not. I either had to laugh not as loud or I had to be less bubbly. I just never really felt seen. And from the moment that I walked through these doors, I just felt accepted and loved not only by God, not only by the people in this community, but throughout that environment, it helped me accept myself and love myself truly as I am. I am right now just experiencing life and loving life and I, I'm just so present with every single person that I meet. I'm also volunteering with the kids now at Heartway and I just love that because they pour so much into me and I just feel happier. I feel happier, I feel more grounded. Um, now, thanks to Heartway in my journey, I am like whenever something happens in my life, some turmoil comes along, I don't freak out anymore. I also have peers that I reach out to and I just feel supported and I feel not only supported, but I feel capable of going through life and embracing it and just being happy and being fulfilled. Isn't that awesome, everybody? That's why we do this. That's why we do this. This is a place where people experience healing and transformation. And so I believe in this. I'm all in. I'm sold out for Heartway. And I hope you are too. And uh, we need you. We need you guys to step up. And if you give already, thank you. And I'm asking for above and beyond. And, and, I, and I'm asking for this to be uh, sacrificial on, on, on your behalf. Um, and it's not for Danny. Listen, Danny does a million things already. I got a full-time job and 50 side hustles that I do. So this ain't going in my, side po in my pockets, okay? Last night, I was up until 12 o'clock singing at a wedding. Today, after church, I got another wedding I'm officiating. So your boy is busy. And your boy, you know, my pockets are all right, okay? So it ain't about me. This is about us, okay? We're putting in, in the pot for us to continue to have this going and to make it even better okay because up to this point it's like the funds that we get in are enough for us to survive and collectively as a leadership team we're we're on the same page about wanting to move from survive to thrive and in order to get from survive to thrive it's going to take every single one of us who love this place to say i believe in this enough to give and so like it was already mentioned earlier Jesus made this beautiful statement when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's more joy, there's more happiness that comes in giving than there is in receiving. And I believe that this offering, the Waymaker's offering, is going to prove that to be true. So think about it, pray about it, do it, heartwaychurch.com slash give and on the drop down menu you can find the Waymakers offering and donate there. So we're going to be promoting this and talking about this from now through January 7th. So don't get tired of it. And if you forget, I'm going to remind you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Great. All right, everybody. Time for business. All right. One of, the, one of the recurring spiritual principles that we bring up here at Heartway time and time again is that our mind creates our reality. Okay, we suffer because of the ideas that we hold on to and entertain in our mind. 
It's not so much life that hurts us, but what we believe about life that hurts us. Now, the thing about thoughts is that thoughts just happen. You cannot control what your mind is generating and projecting. Thoughts just come into your head and they're there. And sometimes we don't want them to be there. We don't want to think these depressing thoughts. We don't want to think these uh, sad thoughts, these anxious thoughts, these fearful thoughts. But we can't help it. Thoughts just happen. So from the moment that we are born into this world, our mind is imprinted by the thoughts of other people. We come into this world as a blank slate. But then through our environment, we're nurtured to begin thinking in a particular way. I love when I see these videos of like little kids on Instagram doing stuff that it's like, you don't even know what you're doing. This is just an adult that put this in your head. Like I'll, I don't know why these things come up on my Instagram, but my algorithm's all messed up. But I'll get like these videos of like four-year-old kids rapping and the things that they're rapping about. I'm like, huh? What are you, who are your parents and what's going on? What do you even know about any of this life? You don't know nothing about this, but these thoughts have been imprinted on them by their caretakers. And so we're literally molded by our environment. Our minds are molded by our environment from a very, very, very young age. It starts with our parents. Then it goes on to our families of origin. Then it goes on to our friends. Then it goes on to our social uh, climate and culture that we're in. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is that we are programmed to think in a certain way by our environment. And from very early on, negativity gets ingrained in us. Our brain has something called neural pathways. And every time that you think a thought and believe it, you are creating these pathways and patterns in your brain. You're literally creating grooves in your brain. And the more often that you think a thought, the easier it becomes to think it again. So the spiritual journey is ultimately all about becoming aware of this programming that you have inherited. And if you are so bold and courageous enough to do so, learning how to deprogram and reprogram your mind in such a way that now you begin to think thoughts that are consistent with love and truth and wisdom. So when you come to Heartway every weekend, that's what we're doing. We're, we're literally performing surgery on your mind, helping you become aware of your programming, giving you this open mind so that you can begin deprogramming, and then we're giving you a new program to download, a new software to download, one that's rooted in wisdom. So it's a very good thing for us to take time to think about what we think about. Do you ever... Take a few moments to reflect on what you reflect on. For some of us, we just think. We think what we think, and that's that. And we live our lives oblivious to the patterns of our mind. But if you want to change the way you think, you first have to become aware of these patterns of thinking that have become ingrained in you. So you got to think about what you think about. Because what comes into your mind tends to come out into your life. Anybody ever heard of the term cognitive bias? Okay. A very simple definition of cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning that is based on personal experiences or preferences. Another term for this is a mental filter. We all have mental filters. Some of us just are not aware of what our mental filters are. So we tend to mistake our filters for reality. We mistake our biases for reality. So if growing up you had something really, really bad happen to you, a lot of times your framework of thinking or your filter through which you might see a situation is now inaccurate because of that past experience. So an example of this, maybe, unfortunately, you experienced abuse by men in your life. 
And because you have been around abusive men, now the filter that you have when it comes to all men in your life is just a really bad one. Because you can't help but see your abuser in every other man that you now interact with. Right? So our past experience now becomes the filter through which we are seeing the present moment. And that filter oftentimes causes us to create inaccurate judgments and estimations and assumptions about the people that we're dealing with or the situations that we're in. Another example, maybe you had uh, parents who were really anti-wealth. Maybe you grew up in an environment where people just had a lot of negative things to say about rich people. Those rich people over there are just whatever. And then later in life, you ended up getting some money. But now, because of that experience you had in your past, you feel a little guilty about the fact that you have money. That's how cognitive bias works. Okay, It's not that the money is bad, but your filter is shaping how you're seeing it. Okay, Your filters shape the way that you see your life. And the filter through which you look out at a situation affects the way that you feel about it. Filters are very important, y'all. If anybody is on Instagram or filter, you know, right, she just said, I love me some filters. You can, you can have a photo that you don't really like that much, but you put the right filter on it, now you're ready to post it. All right, or you can have a photo of yourself that's really good, but if you put the wrong filter on it, now you just screwed it all up and it doesn't look that good. Okay, so the filter literally can make it better or worse. Well, your cognitive bias is the mental filter, the default filter, the way you're pre-wired to think about a particular person or situation. Okay, this is why two people could be in the same situation and respond completely and totally different. An example of this in the scriptures is in the book of Numbers. The people of Israel are in the wilderness, and Moses sends out a group of 12 spies to go to the promised land, the land that God had promised the people of Israel, and and to scope it out. Tell me what you see when you go there, and then come back and bring a report. Well, out of the 12 spies that went out to go uh, examine the land and bring back a report, 10 of them came back with a negative report. And they said, oh, my God, there were giants in the land. The people that are there, there's no way we're going to win in a battle against them. I don't know how we're going to do this. We're scared. Let's not do it. But then there were two people who came back. They had the same experience. They went to the same place with the same people, and they saw the same giants in the land. And their report was a positive one. They said, This is the land God has given to us. Let's do it. It's beautiful. It's flowing with milk and honey. So you have 12 people. Ten of them came back with a negative. Two of them came back with a positive. But it was the same experience. It was the same situation. I also don't think it's a coincidence that it was so lopsided. Ten for the negative, two for the positive. Because that's really how it tends to be in life, right? Just because the majority believe something, by the way, does not mean it is right. Just because more people agree with you does not mean that what you are believing is true. Nevertheless, that's one example of several different people going through the same situation, but having two different filters for how they see it. Another example of this in the scriptures is Jesus on the cross. Did you know that at that time, in those days, only criminals were executed by crucifixion, okay? So there were people who, when they saw Jesus hanging on the cross next to two thieves, by the way, when they saw this man in the middle, they thought he was just one of them. Here's another dude who broke the law. Here's another dude who just didn't stay in line. Here's another dude who's a blasphemer, and he deserves it. There were some people who looked at that man and saw God in human form. There were other people who looked at that man hanging there and said, he's a criminal, he's a blasphemer, crucify him. Talk about extreme views on one side and the other. The same man, some people thought 
He was the most purest soul. Uh, he was so transparent, so beautiful a picture of the divine. And then other people looked at him and said, he deserves to die this death. How in the world does that happen, people? It's your filter. It's your bias. Okay, most of us have a bias towards the negative. We see the worst in others. We see the worst in ourselves. We see the worst in our circumstances. When that negativity rises up in me, because, of course, it always does. That's what the ego does. I like to remind myself of what one teacher by the name of Muji says. He says, it's not what the mind says. It's how seriously it's taken. It's not what the mind says. It's how seriously it's taken. Once you realize that you don't have to take seriously everything that your mind offers up to you, life becomes real funny. Really, because you start realizing how ridiculous of a thought, how ridiculous of an interpretation that is for the situation that you're in. And that's when life starts getting exciting. You just start talking to yourself in the morning like I do. And I'm like, what? In the Stop it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I talk to the, to the ego. You know, I was like, you're funny. That's funny. Nice try. Yeah. Really nice try. Yeah. But the thoughts are going to happen. Okay. You can't, it's like I heard it said before, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop a bird from building a nest there. Okay. When you take the thought seriously, when you believe it, when you identify with it, now that bird is building a nest here. And now you're going to have this filter through which you're experiencing reality, which may or may not be an accurate depiction or representation of what is actually right in front of you. So what I want to do this morning is I want to highlight the ways in which we are most prone to fall towards negativity. Okay, I want to bring up several mind traps that we tend to fall into on a regular basis because if we can't define it, we can't defeat it. If you can't clarify it, you can't overcome it. So here are some mental traps for you to be aware of. And by the way, before we get into this, that word awareness is very important. It's just a matter of being aware because I know this whole idea of deprogramming and reprogramming can seem like a lot. Like, where do I even begin? Right? I'm so used to seeing things in a particular way. Where do, where do I even begin this process of reprogramming? Awareness is the, is the best place to begin. Just being aware. When you're aware of these mental traps that are operating within you, now you're not bound by them. You've created distance between yourself and these particular patterns of thinking that are unhealthy. And that gap is where your salvation is found. The first mind trap that I want to talk about is relational cynicism. Okay? Relational cynicism. Relational cynicism is the trap of having a general distrust for people and their motives. Anybody ever experienced this in their life or you know people that are like this? If you have this mindset, you feel like you just can't trust people. No matter what, you know and you, you assume and you think that there's some sort of ulterior motive behind this individual's kindness. You think, ah, they're, they're probably just trying to take advantage of me. You think, you know what, everyone is ultimately just out for themselves. You're suspicious of people. Right? You think everybody is looking out only for their own interest. Nobody's really generous. Nobody's really kind. Nobody's really benevolent. They always want something from you. And so you have that filter in mind when you're interacting with other people. Relational cynicism comes from the unmet expectations that we have of others. We place expectations on others, and when they don't meet those expectations and our needs are not met, we become cynical. And something that happens, the way that I've seen this occur, and I know we may not like this, but 
when we're really, really cynical and suspicious of other people, it tends to be because we carry within ourselves some of those qualities that we are seeing in them. So you know how you are. So if you're this way, I know what you're really about. Right? It's like sometimes with, with, um, with guys, you know, like I'm around certain dudes sometimes who have a certain viewpoint and perspective and way of relating to women. And so to them, it's like, come on, man. Every guy is a dog. Every guy is like that. That's just the way it is. Well, thank you for telling me who you are. I'm going to read to you a quote that you're not going to like, but I promise you it's good medicine for your soul, okay? It's from the philosopher Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson. He says, your opinions of others is a confession of your character. So how do you talk about your ex? Yeah, we're going there, everybody. How do you talk about your last job and the boss that was there? <laughs> your opinions of other people is a confession of your character. Maybe you don't trust people because on the inside, you think they're like you. So it's important to be aware of this. Something that has helped me because, of course, it's so easy to drift towards this kind of cynicism towards other people. It's easy to be suspicious of other people, especially when you've been jarred, when you've been hurt, when you've experienced this from other people. And now you can't help but have this filter. Something that has helped me is to just become a student of human nature, which means becoming a student of myself. The more you learn how to observe yourself and the way that you are and understand your own human nature, the less surprised you are to see human nature at work in others and the more compassionate you become, even towards your enemies, because you can understand where they're coming from because you understand yourself. When you really understand yourself as a human being, there's no such thing as another person you cannot understand. You understand. Someone can stand in front of you and reject you. And you can say, I understand. I may not agree. I may not see it the way that you see it, but I understand you. I understand you because I understand me. And that's where compassion comes from. So here's what I've learned about human nature, studying myself. People say one thing, they mean something else. They say one thing, they do something else. I've done that. So if you do that to me, it's like, okay. I get it. I've done that. I've been there. Another thing I've learned studying human nature is people change. People change. That's not a bad thing. I've changed. There have been many iterations of Danny Prada and many more to come because I'm always evolving. Okay, so we try and lock people into the version of them that we're used to. And when they grow out of that, we have a problem with it. Either we don't believe this new iteration of them or we start to criticize it because we want them to be who we think they've always been. So Jesus put it really well when he said, be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. That's a great way to relate to people. I'm not saying be naive and just blindly trust that everybody is so pure and has good intentions because that's not the world that we live in, okay? So don't be naive, be wise, learn how to pick up the patterns, pay attention. When people show you who they are, believe them, but remain open-hearted. Remain connected to love, remain connected to empathy. Don't be overly skeptical. Keep yourself open. Okay, the next mental trap. Oh, one more thing I'll say about this is, for me in my life, the way trust works, I trust you to be exactly who you are. That's what I trust. I trust that you will be exactly who you are. And so when you show me who you are, I, I trust that that is exactly who you're supposed to be. 
It doesn't go beyond that. And this is also why it's important to become, you know, in one sense, self-sufficient. What I mean by that is you don't look outside of yourself to have your emotional needs met. And of course, to an extent, we, we, we are relational beings and we have to look outside of ourselves and we are dependent on other people to meet certain needs. But you can also be rooted and grounded yourself to such an extent that you feel whole and complete in and of yourself. You understand? That's really what I'm trying to say. You, you can feel whole and complete in and of yourself. And your happiness and your joy and your sense of, of meaning and fulfillment is not connected to who is or is not in your life. The more you can learn how to be alone, and, and that doesn't mean you live by yourself or you don't have relationships or you don't have a spouse or a partner. What I mean is learning how to be alone is, is this idea of self-sufficiency. Learning how to see yourself as being complete. And learning how to uh, enjoy your own company. There's a difference between loneliness and aloneness. A lot of us are afraid of being alone because alone means lonely. Alone means I'm stuck with myself and my thoughts. Get comfortable with yourself and your thoughts. And if you aren't, uh, it's never too late to begin. And you got to go through hell before you get to heaven. Yes, that's how it's going to be. But it's better to face that stuff than to continue to try and run away from it and look to other people to give to you what only you can give to yourself and what only God can provide for you. The next mental trap, negative filtering. Okay, this is just seeing what's wrong, finding the worst in, in people, always going to the worst possible outcome, overlooking, completely overlooking what's good and overlooking what's right, assuming the worst. So you text your friend, your friend hasn't texted you back for two hours, now your mind is going to a million different places, oh, they must be mad at me, you know, or what's, what's, what, what did I do now? And now you're thinking, you know, you're getting all insecure about the fact that this person didn't text you back for two hours. Okay, that, that's negative filtering. You go on vacation, you find what's wrong with the vacation. Every church you go to, you find what's wrong with that church. Okay, every restaurant you go to, you find something that's wrong with the, the waiter or the waitress or the food. You find, you, you find what's wrong instead of seeing what's right. Now, there is a place for being critical. If we don't utilize our capacity to be critical then how are we going to grow? How are we going to develop? How are we going to change? But sometimes we can become overly critical to the extent that we're no longer seeing what's there because we're only seeing the one polarity, negativity. And by being overly critical in this way, you're creating misery for yourself because that is what you are literally experiencing is just that negativity. So I like to get in the habit, especially when it comes to people, of balancing every negative with the positive. I'm not saying don't point out the negative. I'm not saying the negative isn't there. All I'm saying is it's not the whole picture. So when you talk about a group of people, when you talk about um, anything, if you're going to point out the negative, just balance it with the positive and find this nice middle place. Now you're a little bit closer to objectivity. Nobody is the horrible person that you make them out to be because nobody is just one-sided. I'm watching The Sopranos right now. Anybody ever seen The Sopranos? You know what's like standing out to me about The Sopranos? It's like this guy, Tony Soprano, is this mobster, this gangster who's like, he's just, no, I'm not spoiling nothing. I'm not spoiling nothing. You know, he's this gangster, this mobster, killing people left and right, you know, just living that life, all right? But when you see him with his family, it's like his kids love him. And when you, when you, you see these soft moments, and I'm like, this is the duality of humanity. You know, we can be monsters, and then also we can just be these soft little teddy bears. <laughs> you know, and that's just, that's, that's human nature. 
right? So balancing the, the negative with the positive is, is important so that you can get somewhat of a more accurate idea of the person and the situation that you're thinking about and talking about. So how do we overcome this addiction? Because it is an addiction. How do we overcome our addiction to negativity? It takes a lot of intentionality and it takes a lot of practice. And the advice that I'm going to give to you today about overcoming your negativity is this. Start acting like a cow. All right, what, is it, what do I mean by this? Start acting like a cow. Okay? What do cows do? Cows do a lot of things, all right? But one of the things, one of the things that cows do is they do something called rumination. They ruminate. Cows spend up to 40% of their day ruminating. What does that mean? They'll take a mouthful of grass, they'll chew on it, and they'll chew on it, and they'll chew on it, then they'll swallow it, then they'll throw it back up and chew on it a little bit more, and chew on it a little bit more, and then they'll swallow it, and then they'll throw it back up in their mouth and chew on it a little bit more, completely and totally gross and disgusting, but also very insightful. Where are you going with this, Danny? Give me a second. Why does the cow ruminate in this way? Because the cow is trying to get as much nutrients out of the grass as possible. In the Hebrew scriptures, when you read the word meditate, which comes up a lot in the Jewish scriptures, when you read the word meditate, it doesn't necessarily mean um, observing the mind or quieting the mind. That's one aspect of meditation. We practice that every week. But in the Hebrew scriptures, for them, the word meditate means to ruminate. Think about that, to, to ruminate, to chew on. So when we're constantly chewing on and ruminating on loving ideas, empowering ideas, expansive ideas, creative ideas, spiritual ideas, we begin to change the way that we're wired. But you have to chew on the truth constantly. It's not enough just to come on Sunday and hear a few words for 40 minutes. You've got to be able to find other outlets and sources. Or maybe you just replay this over and over again. I don't know. Whatever floats your boat. But you gotta, you've got to expose yourself to loving ideas, expansive ideas, spiritual ideas that are going to help you fill your mind with truth so that you can begin to retrain yourself to think in a way that is aligned with God, that is aligned with love, that is aligned with wisdom. Look at the scriptures. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So when your ego is offering up a whole bunch of negativity, it's good to have some tools in your tool belt that you can pull out when you need it. But that word has to be dwelling in you richly. All right, you have, it has to be hidden in here. Otherwise, it's not going to come out. So what are you chewing on? What are you ruminating on? Get the truth inside of you. Hammer it into yourself. The next category, absolute thinking. This is another mind trap that we fall into. This is all or nothing thinking, black or white thinking. Okay, if a woman uh, lies to you, all women are liars. If a Republican does something, all those Republicans. If a Democrat did something, all those Democrats. We, we just overgeneralize and put everybody in the category. It's either or thinking. Somebody makes a mistake or you make a mistake, you automatically go to, I'm dumb, I'm stupid. Oh, what's wrong with me? I'm the worst. Okay, you disagree with somebody about an issue, you automatically write that person off. You don't, you don't care about what they have to say about anything else anymore because they disagree with you on this one thing, they're wrong about everything else too. They think that, screw them. I'm right, they're wrong. That's absolute thinking. Guys, this is the dominant form of consciousness in our culture. It's scary. This is why wars are fought, okay? This is why, this is why people kill each other. Um, 
it's a dangerous road to travel. And some of us, we fall into this mind trap and we don't even see it. We're not even aware of it. That's why that word awareness, again, it's so important. Awareness brings what is unconscious into your consciousness. Okay, if something is unconscious within you, that means you're not aware of the fact that this is a pattern that is operating in you. When you become aware of it, now it becomes conscious. The unconscious becomes conscious. So how do I know I've fallen into the trap of absolute thinking? Because I'm right, everybody else is wrong, and I'm a jerk. That's a great way to realize that you've fallen into this trap of absolute thinking. You just, you're just a jerk about everything that you believe. When you embark on the spiritual path, it's no longer about being right. It's about being loving. Get this whole thing of being right out of your head. Who cares? Who cares about being right? It's not about being right. It's about being loving. So the further along you go on the spiritual journey, you start realizing, hey, I may be wrong. Wow, what a thought that I may be wrong. And you may be right. So it doesn't matter what anybody says to me. They can come to me with some crazy beliefs. And I can genuinely say, well, you may be right. And that leaves a door open now for, com for communion, for relationship to remain established, and for learning and growth to happen. It's that easy, everybody. But uh, the ego is not okay with that, right? Because we find our sense of identity in our knowledge, in our intellect, in our rightness. Think about how this would change our relationships with one another if we were willing to approach things in this way. And it's hard. Trust me, I know. It's hard. It's hard when you live with somebody and they're coming at you with some stuff. You know what I mean? But it's so important. What, what has trying to be right in the relationship gotten you? Where does it take you? You know what I'm saying? Nowhere. So you recognize that you may be wrong. You recognize other people may be right. I also recognize I may be right and you may be wrong. But I'm not going to speak with certainty as if, I, as if I absolutely know that this is the case. How many times have you changed your mind about something? How many times have you thought one way and then later on come to realize that you were wrong and now you see things more clearly and you've had to apologize to somebody? Okay, so it's not about being correct. It's about being connected. The last mind trap that I'm going to highlight today is blame shifting. Okay, blame shifting. And this is simply just believing that you're, you're a victim. The reason why you are where you are in your life is because these people hurt you. The reason why I'm in this place right now is because this person did this to me. They didn't give me a chance. They didn't believe in me. They didn't give me an opportunity. They abandoned me. They rejected me. And we have to honor and acknowledge the reality of that if we went through some stuff. I'm not saying to just ignore the fact that you were hurt, that you were belittled, that you went through some things, that people did stuff to you. I get it. Stuff happens. Also, now what? Because if we stay stuck there, we don't grow, we don't move, we don't evolve. At some point, we have to move from blame to responsibility, okay? You are not just a victim of your life and circumstance. You may be, and if you are, that's okay. You don't have to be forever, okay? So when you're in this mind trap, you feel that everything is caused by outside influences. There's no way that you can get ahead because the whole world is just stacked against you. And in this trap, you believe that something outside of you is what determines your happiness. Here's what I've learned. Pointing out the problem out there isn't going to do anything for you. If anything, 
all it does is it relinquishes your power. So the only problems that ever truly concern me are the problems within my own thinking. Because the problems within my own thinking are problems that I can actually do something about. I may not be able to do anything about the way that you are and the things that you do and the things that you have said. I may not be able to do anything about the circumstance and situation that I find myself in. But that doesn't mean I just have to be passive now because I'm accepting reality. No, I am actively choosing to reframe the way that I see this situation. I am actively choosing to reinterpret and reperceive so that now I can empower myself to do something about it. So you can keep yourself in a very disempowered place by always pointing the finger and choosing blame instead of responsibility. And something that happens is that when we become overly negative, when we become overly critical, when all of our life is about blaming, we start interpreting the goodness of God in light of our circumstances instead of interpreting our circumstances in light of the goodness of God. So I want to interpret my circumstances in light of the goodness of God. That is the one thing that is unshakable. But if I'm not rooted and grounded in the truth and if the word of Christ is not dwelling in me richly, I'm going to interpret the goodness of God through my circumstances. So just because my circumstances are bad, that must mean, you know, God's not good. God's not really watching over me. God's not really walking with me. God's not even real. That's interpreting the goodness of God through your circumstances. Flip the script and interpret your circumstances through the goodness of God. Why is this so important? Look at what it says in this proverb. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's it. That, that's the principle. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So take some time to think about what you're thinking about. And to conclude our time together, I want to give you a very beautiful example of someone doing this in the scripture. Everybody knows St. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. He got into a situation in his life where he was thrown into prison. And from prison, he wrote a letter to a few churches. One of these letters was to the church of Philippi. And I want you to read how he interprets and reframes his experience of being in prison. If you and I were in prison, we're probably not going to be very positive about that. Okay? Look at how this man talks about this. Believe it or not, my imprisonment has actually helped spread the good news to new places and populations. Word has spread through the ranks of the Imperial Guard and to everyone else around me that I am in prison because of my faith in the Anointed One. My imprisonment has instilled courage in most of our brothers and sisters, so they are trusting God more and have been even more daring as they speak the good news without fear. That's reframing. That's reinterpreting. And that is what all of us can do no matter what situation we're in. If he could do it in prison, you could do it through your breakup. You could do it when you're at a difficult job. You can do it when money's running low. You can do this always, all the time. But it takes practice and it takes intentionality. The first step, you may not be at the step where you can rewrite your story. That's fine. Don't even focus then on rewriting the story. Just Become aware of the story you're currently telling yourself and be open to the possibility that this may just be a filter that is based on my personal biases and traumas of the past and it may not be an accurate uh, reflection of what is truly real. If you're just open to that, God will start working in you. You start getting the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. You're going to start seeing and then eventually what you can start doing is, and this is really important to do when everything's going good, okay? You pre-decide. You decide ahead of time how you're going to look at the situation before you're even in it. 
again, once you're already in the problem, if you haven't had this practice, you're going to be drowning in it, and that's okay. All right? Get some help around you, and just keep going. There will be light at the end of the tunnel. But when you see the light, when you're in the light, when everything's calm and stable and good, uh, don't get too comfortable. Something's going to be shaken up. Take some time now that everything is good and steady to start reflecting on what you reflect on. Start thinking about how you want to think about and interpret the situations that are difficult when they come. That way, when you're in it, you'll be ready. And it'll be the most natural, genuine thing for you to say, this is not happening to me, it's happening for me. It'll be the most, the most natural, authentic thing for you to say, all of this is working out for my good. I know this. I know it. Okay? It'll be the most natural thing for you to say, what God wants for me is what is best. May not feel that way right now. Little practice, you will get there. Let's pray. God, we thank you for bringing to our awareness all of the patterns of thinking that have been ingrained in us from a very young age. The negativity, the anxiety, the fear, it's going to be there. It's going to show up. But it's up to us whether we take it seriously or not. Help us to take your word seriously. Help us to take your truth seriously. So that when the ego presents its lies to us, we can see through it and understand it for what it is. May we overcome the patterns of thinking that have kept us trapped in blame and disempowerment and criticism and cynicism and suspicion. And may we break free into the joy of living a life that is rooted in love and truth and wisdom. Help us to rewrite our stories. Help us to reframe things in such a way that we can see life the way you see it. And enable us by your grace to continue moving forward day by day, no matter what it is that we're facing, trusting in your goodness and leaning on your love. We pray all of these things in Christ and through Christ. Amen. All right, everybody. Great. Thank you for being here. Love you tremendously. Have a great rest of the week. Catch you next weekend.